0: Once, two, lifelong friends Grace Day, buddy, read Of the Witcher series By Andrzej Sapkowski Toss five stars to our podcast Internet of Plenty Internet of Plenty Toss five stars to our podcast Internet of Plenty Full. who is that lovely lovely voice <laughs> charles someone who picked up a new hobby during the shutdown <laughs> um, <laughs> hello everyone welcome to another very exciting episode of the friends talking fantasy podcast that intro can only mean one thing and that is that we are here today to talk more witcher who is the we that we're talking about? Well, my name is Charles, and my host with me today is none other than Dylan.
1: I'm ready to talk some fancy with my friend, Charles.
0: All right, me as well. So, our topic today, we're doing one of our special little micro-topic episodes. We hope you enjoy it. This one is called The Witcher and What Makes a Monster.
1: We're gonna finally answer the question, Charles. You and you and I apparently know the answer, and all these listeners they're gonna find out, <laughs> right, Charles? That's what we're doing.
0: Uh, it's not so much about answering the question as much as it is extrapolating on this theme across what we know and have read from The Witcher. You know, I've read the whole series. Um, Dylan has watched the show and read The Last Wish. So we might have some light, light spoilers for The Last Wish, which is the first Witcher book, but everything else you'll be totally fine with. And um, that's your spoiler warning.
1: And light spoilers for the Netflix series. Yes, yes, but
0: light, light. Um, We'll keep it light. Keep it light. So, yeah, back to the title What Makes a Monster? What One of my favorite things about the Witcher sh- stories is, you know, Geralt, on his face value, he's a monster bounty hunter. You give him money and he goes out and kills a monster. But as we've talked about in our Last Wish episode and in our Witcher series episode, he doesn't always follow that. He has a very strong moral code and he's sometimes sympathetic to monsters or creatures if they've done no wrong or if they're not posing a threat to anybody and another thing that Andrzej Sapkowski does that's really interesting is when he's writing a monster a lot of times it's typically something as the result it's like a monster that has been man-made or is the result of some evil acts done by man so this idea of a monster. More often than not, monsters get a lot of sympathy from Geralt, and it's the the men that create them through their evil deeds. Is is the true horror and the true monster of the story?
1: Well said, Charles. I think that's one of the biggest themes in the Witcher throughout. I mean, most of the entities in the story that are causing trouble or creating these awful situations that often uh, monsters in the more typical sense are embroiled in in some way are uh, it's the people who've caused things to go that way in the Mm -hmm. witcher
0: right because we you know we just finished our lord of the rings buddy reads and there's all kinds of monsters there's right? there's shelob there's the balrog there's the guardian that giant octopus monster that's guarding the gates to moria and they're all just pure animalistic mm-hmm. like violent evil creatures but in witcher more often than not like monsters are created through like magic Or they don't exist at all and it's just the influence of human beings trying to make Geralt kill people for them, right? So that's what gives The Witcher its unique spin and its unique twist and making it worth reading in the first place is is Andrzej Sapkowski's talent of taking the idea of a monster and kind of deconstructing it and finding the horror in humanity and using that as a way to build up his monsters.
1: For sure, Charles, and one of the defining quotes of The Witcher in general, I would say, and The Last Wish in particular, is where Geralt says, people like to invent monsters and monstrosities, then they seem less monstrous themselves.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a great quote. I love that one. And there's also that quote, I don't have it in front of me, but Geralt is like, oh, I remember my first monster, and he's describing a human being like a mm. bandit who attacked a family and um, the idea that his first monster wasn't a Kikimura or a Striga it was a human being and I think that's a pretty poignant <laughs> moment in a in a book about a guy who kills monsters for money is that his first monster was a human being.
1: For sure and this thing comes up a lot where What something appears to be on the outside in The Witcher, uh, and oftentimes things that appear monstrous, like Geralt himself, in the way that he's described in The Last Wish, anyway, Mm -hmm. appears monstrous to those around him. Uh, maybe not quite as much as some of well, the—not a Kikimura, but right. people are definitely afraid of him. And even in that situation, he describes where he he saves uh, that family. Uh, I think like the uh, there's a girl he saved, and she ends up uh, like fainting, like vomiting and fainting when Geralt comes close. To her, she's so scared of Geralt, who just killed a person. Right, even if he killed a person who was doing a bad thing. Right, Uh, and she's really frightened of him, so she perceives him as a monster. So Geralt has to grapple with these questions of what makes a monster so much, because uh, people are wondering if he's a monster. He's wondering if all sorts of often cursed creatures that he's interacting with are. Technically monsters, because he's not supposed to kill people, uh, at least whenever possible. Right. And he's definitely not supposed to take money to kill people.
0: Right, so, and that's... Because how many scenes are there? There's countless scenes where he walks into a bar and people are like, get away, you twisted sorcerer. You, you, you just will... You'll do anything for money. You use magic. You're a blasphemer. Like, your total existence is an affront to humanity kind of a thing. And the fact that you'll just... Like people have problems with monsters and you're over here haggling, you know, like all those kinds of things. He has to face that kind of prejudice um, every town he goes to. And that just adds to this element of the true evil in this world. And it's not as simple as just an evil creature whose nature is to be evil. It's nuanced and it's complex and it's permeated through Everything that Geralt has to interact with—not just monsters, but the humans as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Charles, you're bringing up evil here, and uh, I want to chat about some lesser evil, which is Ooh. one of the yeah, yeah, <laughs> one of the short stories, and I would say my favorite short story from the last wish and anyone who's seen the first episode of the witcher Netflix TV series will be familiar with the story of uh, Renfri who Love is that a so good and uh, basically we're dealing with a princess who has potentially been cursed who had uh, been traumatized by a sorcerer trying to kill her because he sees her as an evil monster.
0: Right, because uh, she was a born child. under an ominous sign like an eclipse or a black moon or whatever.
1: Exactly. And then uh, she ends up living this pretty horrible, traumatic life that has her turning around and just really wanting vengeance. Upon Stragobor, the sorcerer who set her down this path instead of what her life could have been, which is a very pampered princess <laughs> right. uh, who lives a very life uh, of
0: luxury. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, i I mentioned this in our buddyry discussion of the Last Wish that there's an amazing conversation between uh, Geralt and uh, Renfrey in the Last Wish, where he pretty much directly asks her are you a monster and Renfrey is someone who appears on the outside like a just a woman mm-hmm. and he
0: but Stragobor's uh, convinced person. she's cursed and she is but, acting the way Stragabor says someone who was cursed would act but she's acting that way because Stragabore caused her to lead this horrible horrible life and mm-hmm. when she goes into all the stuff she had to endure it's really um heartbreaking right and it's almost scary in a way like all the acts of violence and um just all the victim that she was growing up that turned her into this hardened vengeful person
1: Mm -hmm. or monster question Mm -hmm. mark maybe so (laughs) or
0: was she always that way because she was born under the the eclipse
1: raises some interesting questions about nature versus nurture that (laughs) uh or nature and nurture, because, you know, in psych these days, we think of it more as those two working together. But it, the the line from Renfrey is, uh, fine, I'm supposed to be cursed, contaminated in my mother's womb. I'm supposed to be, and Geralt interrupts, yes, and Renfri finishes, a monster. Geralt asks, and are you? And she responds, I don't know Geralt. Because how am I to know, damn it? When I cut my finger, I bleed. I bleed every month, too. I get a bellyache when I overeat and a hangover when I get drunk. When I'm happy, I sing and I swear when I'm sad. When I hate someone, I kill them. And when... But enough of this. Your answer, Witcher. And she changes the subject back to, are you going to help me or stand aside at least? Right. So she... And that's something I really like about The Witcher, the nuance of Renfri actually being willing to be like, hey, I've known about this supposed curse my entire life, and I, too, like, think about this question, and I'm not sure. Like, I wonder. I have all these signs of being human, but at the same time, like, I take vengeance upon people and take joy in that. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's tough, and she doesn't know because she obviously is filled with this sense of self preservation and you could argue that it's, you know, Stragabor would see her acts of violence as validation of his belief that all of these princesses, all these women of noble birth born under that eclipse were evil and he's killed all of them and autopsied them or whatever, except for her and his pursuit of her since she was young is what she says has shaped her to be this way. So it's, it's like, you know, the cart before the horse kind of a thing. It's like, no, you killed my family, outcasted me, put me in the hands of thieves and brutes, and I had to grow up in the streets, and I was covered in lice and all this other stuff. She gets really, really into details, and it's disturbing, but it's an excellent read at the same time. And she's like, that's why I'm trying to kill you, you know? So you feel for her. You, you. She's, the, she's way more sympathetic than Stragabor, but... The result is that she's willing to take a lot of innocent lives to get where she wants. And that's where Geralt had to step in. It wasn't that she was planning to kill Stragabor. Geralt was like, I get that, but you're going to need to put that aside if you want to, you know, live a fulfilled life and avoid harming lots of people. And she's like, I know, but I can't. So.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, Charles. Wasn't... Geralt saying though even before all that that he would be willing to like step in to try to stop her from killing oh, Stragabor, yeah. even just Stragabor, not the oh. just the innocent folks?
0: Um, I think so. I I because th- I think you're right on that. I don't think Geralt would have let her like premeditatively murder mm-hmm. anybody. You know, I think that was the line Geralt had. Like, even though Stragabor is not the most sympathetic of victims, when you get to know Renfrey's story and what he caused her to live through, um, Geralt is still like, you know, if if you try anything, I'm going to stop you. Like, and he's begging her, right? He's like, please, please, just turn away and live your life. You know, you've got a lot of talent. You've come this far. Like, don't cause all this violence. Don't force me to get involved. I don't want to choose. I'd prefer you just go away. And it's a lot to ask for her, you know, after so much she's had to suffer through. And it's that idea of, you know, what makes the monster in this case? Was it the eclipse or was it, um, the way she was brought up into the world? Who knows? And that's what, and we will never know because Sepkovsky was very smart when Geralt did intervene and, and she, he killed Renfrey. um, Stragobar was like, excellent, nice job. Let's do the autopsy. And he's like, you do not get to touch her at all. And we never know if she was truly cursed or not. And I think that's such a great move by the author, by Andrei Sepkovsky to kind of keep that always as this mystery. Because does it really matter? Because either way, she would have been justified, you know. So whether she was cursed or not her upbringing was so tragic that we feel for her that way
1: we definitely do feel for her Charles with everything that she's been through and it's interesting that Geralt does seem to have the opinion that whether someone is a monster or not a monster is to some extent a matter of choice on behalf of the person themselves and i think that shows up in in this story of the lesser evil where i believe basically he he tells renfrey hey like if you leave then that's the way that you prove him wrong that's the way that yes. stregobor is wrong and you are not a monster because you are do not need to take revenge at all cost in fact you are able to forgive, and a monster wouldn't be capable of that. And I think, from uh, Geralt's point of view, and the reason that in at the end of the day he he decides, I, I guess this is kind of spoilery, but we did say some light spoilers, so uh, you know earmuffs uh, if you don't want to hear this. Uh, but he does decide that uh, it's uh, it's better to kill Renfrey than to I already make her. said that though. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did say that. Fair. Um I guess I yeah. So you should have put your
0: spoiler phones on a while back, like five minutes yeah. ago. But
1: rewind back in time <laughs> and don't listen to what Charles was saying.
0: Right, right. Um uh, like other people in on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I agree that's a great moment and you're exactly right. And he even Stragobor says something very interesting also where he's like Because Geralt, the whole reason he got involved in this was because he had killed the Kikimora and was looking for someone who'd be willing to give him money for it. And he's like, oh, maybe the wizard will pay you some coins for it to make one of his crazy potions. And he's like, okay. And that's how he got involved. And then Strygobor's like, oh, perfect. You're here. Now you can help me kill this woman. And he's like, what? And he's like, Geralt, who's the real monster here? That Kikimora, that actual what you would consider a monster was just hunting for food and, like, surviving on animal instincts. You know, Renfri's out here murdering people indiscriminately at, on the path to revenge. Who Like, he even actually says, like, who's the real monster? And that's just, or he says something like that anyway. And that's, um like, the whole theme of that story. And that's what makes it such a highlight in The Last Wish.
1: Definitely a highlight there, Charles. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thanks.
1: All right, if I just give you the last uh, few words back, then you know I I was listening. It really makes me feel
0: confident (laughs) that you were listening to the whole thing. Uh, I don't know, people listening to this? Look, it's interesting, right? This idea of a monster. (laughs) It's a show about monster killers
1: and local not podcaster pleads with audience uh, yelling at them that their content is interesting this is uh,
0: interesting people <laughs> it's the whole point of the witcher <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the that's um that's that the, the, the lesser evil yes thank you um the only other one that i think is worth bringing up to contextualize this whole thing is the first one which is called the witcher which is one another one of my favorites and the only reason i'm bringing it up is because you have the other side right you have an actual monster it's called a striga um Mm -hmm. but it was created by these like really bizarre horrible acts of like hateful acts of mankind right you have a prince or a king and he um you know, through incest with his sister, sister gets pregnant, and then the baby dies in childbirth, and the mom dies as well. And then you also have, I guess, spoilers here. You have other parties within the palace who had feelings for the princess and hated the prince and hated the the child and all of this and. And then the mom of the daughter hated that there was a product of incest. So like you had all this hate, all this betrayal, all of this, like the act of incest itself and the act of a young baby dying in childbirth and a mom dying in childbirth, which are very tragic things. It all kind of morphed together into personification of the striga this horrible monster that plagues the palace right and it's interesting that this monster stays within the confines of the palace as well and kind of like haunts everyone involved in it right it haunts the king who's the only one left from that whole family that survived and then the people in the palace who are trying to manipulate the situation for their own personal gain they're constantly having to deal with this like creature that's basically in their closet you know it's a super interesting um story about monsters and the monster itself is just a child that didn't even get to live right it's the corpse of the child that turned into a monster it's pretty dark stuff but it's kind of innocent in a way and it's the people around it the circumstance the evil deeds committed by the people around her and the hate and also the love and death that created it so just a super interesting idea of what makes the monster in this case
1: for sure and you nailed the use of the word personification there thank you Charles (laughs) well done (laughs) uh so I I guess so the monster or the striga I I guess the way I was thinking about was that it was the the child itself like you're pitching it more as this kind of like thing that came out of just all of this uh, these circumstances almost like how mm-hmm. and the corpse turned into it. it I guess I never really understood the extent to which it actually is just the like the child that was like quote unquote lost in the pregnancy
0: Right uh, I think they versus... said it's because they didn't burn the corpse that was their mistake right they buried it or something like that or they put it in the tombs and that's what caused it to morph into the striga, gotcha. right? And there's this the line from I keep forgetting if he's a king or a prince, and I keep going back and forth. Um, I
1: believe he's like a king. Okay, the, you're saying the yeah, uh, the father the,
0: basically, yeah. where he's basically saying, I believe he's a king. Did my you know he his words? Did my congress with my sister create this thing? And then girl says, I don't think so, but it was a cause. Co- it was a re- cause of it. Right, mm. where he's like, I don't think it's like how to make a striga. Step one, you know, have you have an incestuous relationship? You know, I think it's just the raw um, emotion and like almost like betrayal of nature that is what spawned the creature. It's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. way to use fantasy to create monsters, right? This betrayal of nature, and then combine that with they mentioned that um, one of the people in court had romantic feelings for the queen that went you know then he had to watch her have a child with her brother and that made him Mm -hmm. really upset and there's that moment where he's being used as bait for this trigger and he's like witcher like did i do this like did my hate cause this and he's like i don't know and he's like witcher there's also the mom she was super furious as well she might have done something too and it's like he's like okay so it's basically it was just so many that that whole situation was so messed up on so many different levels that it just spawned this killing machine
1: yeah and i think to return to the question of what what makes a monster here i i feel like in geralt's view anyway the way he thinks about this one is that he he won't kill the Striga because the Striga has within it the potential to be uh, I I want to say good but at the very least not a become human again become a
0: little become girl you know a, yeah girl. a
1: little girl so it's like if that is within this creature and there's a possibility to bring it out then I'm not quite ready to say that this is just a cut and dry that's a monster so sure I'll take money and I'll kill
0: it sure and, and Geralt was given multiple thing, opportunities to like kill it and not try and churn it cuz trying to turn it is way more dangerous and then there's also he gets the opportunity just to he was going to get paid to just walk away which he refuses to do you know he had many opportunities and all every perceivable option was presented to him as an out, right? But he chose to do the most difficult one, what can be perceived as the most honest one, which is spend the night with this monster, right? Survive the night with it, and it will change back. You know, it's interesting mm-hmm. that that's what it takes. One, it's part of the story, right? Like you have to make it to the third call of the crow or whatever, yeah. or the, or the, I the cock. I think it was a rooster. Yeah, and then... um then, uh, so it's like is is that part of it like this idea of i i you know, I just think about now how interesting it was that it kind of was confined to the castle, kind of like in the back of people's minds almost, and then why is it that anybody that just is capable of spending the night with it would be able to um just survive the night, be able to reverse the curse, you know it's interesting and um, i. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I love that idea. I, I never thought about that before that you you've brought up here. It's kind of, of like facing the, it, I guess. Yeah, the striga basically being this uh, perf- personification, like you said, of their sins. Yeah, uh, and even like of their is...
0: unfaced trauma or unfaced yeah. drama. Like you're the psych guy, but I imagine when you choose to ignore these horrible traumatic things that happen to you they tend to fester and get worse, right? And sometimes They're the best way there, of, of getting past them is by facing them, right? So, you For know, sure. I, I'm not pursuing a PhD in clinical psych, but um, Neither that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, counseling psych. Counseling um, <laughs> psych. I'm not doing that either. Uh, but that's <laughs> would be my guess <laughs> as someone who uh, reads. I don't know. Who <laughs> reads? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, your reading has not led you astray here, Charles. Yeah, most of the empirically supported treatments for dealing with trauma uh, focus on basically just a willingness to expose yourself to ooh, some of these uh, thoughts and feelings and these kind of things that come up for you when you ooh, actually confront that a traumatic thing was something that happened to you, and yeah, it sucked, it's terrible, terrible. And it happened and to try to come to accept or uh, otherwise like trying to make sense or make meaning out of uh, some traumatic things that have happened to people. That's how people are usually able to uh, best recover, at least in treatment, from Uh, traumatic events and I think you make a great point of the striga almost being this thing that is lurking in the dark depths of the castle uh and is uh, almost all this unhashed out interpersonal trauma that has played out between all the inhabitants of that
0: castle right and the cure is to face it and survive it you know so Mm -hmm. You know that's why I like recording these little episodes because I never, you know, I was kind of piecing that together in my mind as I was talking through it just now. I, I think it's fun to go into these little micro topics because you get stuff out of the content that you may have perceived, but to to talk through it, I think is super interesting, and it's just a testament to Andrei Sabkovsky's writing, especially in these short stories, where he's able to draw on kind of folklore and storytelling right these kind of fables and perceive it through this lens of modern fantasy and this like subverting this idea of monsters and uh, it creates something that is uniquely the witcher that i don't know i just Mm -hmm. really love the whole concept
1: yeah i totally agree there's so much depth to these stories around those topics and themes and that's wh- wh- part of why I'm really enjoying reading The Witcher. Yeah.
0: yeah, man. So, what makes a monster? Who's to say? Um, if
1: silver kills them,
0: silver does that's kill the them. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't like silver.
1: Yeah, um, I I was holding that till the end. But that's the answer. Thanks for staying tuned. <laughs> What's well, what unmakes this. a monster?
0: <laughs>
1: that, Charles, don't spoil our next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then we're just really milking the Witcher content at that point. <laughs> well, we got to get <laughs> if this wasn't enough song that you made, Charles. Yeah, that's Toss right. Toss five stars
1: to your podcast. I mean, any time that we Toss get Toss five
0: stars to your podcast, please. You don't want to hear me continue to sing and play guitars. Toss the five stars. Oh, Internet of Plenty. <laughs>
1: I want to keep hearing you sing, Charles. I think it's awesome.
0: I'll send you the file. <laughs>
1: You know that's hidden social media. (laughs) Probably long before this is
0: released. Yeah, I'm sure it already has and is doing quite well. Um, (laughs) 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 Anything else Uh, to say about witchers and monsters before we roll ourselves out here?
1: Well, I'm sure there's a lot more ground for us to tread uh, here, but I, (laughs) I also think that we'll get to keep having these kind of conversations. Right. I think by picking two
0: of the really yeah. early Witcher stories, it's a great way to kind of frame it. And it's like, look, as you continue to read the Witcher and the Witcher saga, it's these kinds of things are interesting to think about. And, um, it's, yeah, well, we'll as we read sort of destiny, which will, we're going to read after we've recorded this, uh, we, we can kind of frame that as, okay, how does this kind of theme of monsters continue and um, it it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I am as well,
0: Charles. All right. Well, that's the outro music. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard, toss five stars to your podcast. That's I said it These enough do. at this point. Yeah. So With all the effort Charles has put in. <laughs> Come on. And then, uh, otherwise, you can hit us up on social media at the FTF Podcast. And we're the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end for Twitter. Uh, shoot us an email if you have any other exciting thoughts about what makes a monster in the content of the Witcher Saga. Uh, shoot us an email at uh, ftfpodcast at gmail.com. The FTF podcast, podcast, podcast. at gmail.com. that's it thanks again thank you all so much for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends